the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. We're on session 31 in our series, Oh, That Verse Means That. And today is a special edition. So I'm calling today's edition of this series, Oh, That Chapter Means That. And just like we've been devoting time to scrutinizing an array of Bible verses we believed meant one thing, discovering that they actually mean something different or something deeper, so too there are some key chapters in our Bibles that deserve the same scrutiny. Because, friends, many Christians read their Bibles in what I call crumbs, that being reading a verse a day or using a daily devotional which tends to quote single verses accompanied by a paragraph of someone's commentary. I personally recommend reading a full slice of bread, even a whole loaf. Do you remember the original Wonder Bread slogan popular in the 1960s? It was, helps build strong bodies 12 ways. That ambiguous phrase left us wondering if it meant 12 nutrients like vitamins and minerals, or the 12 body parts it helped to nourish, or it simply meant 12 attributes of the bread. Since white bread companies notoriously stripped bread of its vital nutrients originally found in the wheat germ to give them shelf life, companies like Taggart Baking Company that made Wonder Bread agreed to participate in a government program during World War II, which motivated them to enrich their bread with nutrients to stave off certain diseases common at that time. Well, friends, we Bible readers are in danger of contracting some spiritual diseases from spiritual malnutrition if we go on thinking we can sustain the health of our souls on one crumb a day. In other words, one verse a day. In our last session on 1 Peter 2.2, I showed that all of chapter 2 was essential to nourish us and enrich us so we could properly interpret and understand that one verse. Well, the principle is the same in today's scripture under scrutiny, Isaiah chapter 53, our chapter under scrutiny. And friends, we'll need to put on our detective's cap, grab our pocket magnifying glass, and strap on our Hebrew sandals because we're going to closely inspect Isaiah the Prophet's report card, the title of today's session. 
And we're going to discover, as we have before, that even a chapter at times must be cast in light of other chapters or portions of Scripture to assist us in properly interpreting and understanding what we're reading. Because, friends, the Bible really does have a story to tell us. In fact, it's crying out, screaming out to tell us its story. But sadly, we pastors, teachers, and preachers, as well as Christians in general, make even for or manipulate the Bible to tell our story, often the inaccurate one. Whether knowingly or unknowingly, I still say, shame on us. And I must piggyback onto this with another point I've been driving home. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 declare that the Holy Spirit is the author and inspirer of our Judeo-Christian scriptures, our Bible, if you will. So friends, doesn't the Holy Spirit deserve our respect as we read our Bibles? Doesn't God's word deserve greater respect as we read it, even if we must dig a little deeper? How often do we cavalierly and thoughtlessly run off at the mouth what we think a verse means? Well, Isaiah 53 is a rich and a vitally and spiritually nutritious chapter in the Hebrew Scriptures, and it's actually part of the fourth servant song in Isaiah. This fourth servant song actually begins in chapter 52:13 and continues through all of chapter 53's 12 verses. These four servant songs are vital as they reference the the Messiah and his mission. For example, in the first servant song, Isaiah chapter 42, 1 through 4, the Messiah's mission is to establish justice for all, as verse 4 suggests. In the second servant song, Isaiah chapter 49, 1 through 6, the Messiah's mission includes becoming a light to the nations, bringing deliverance or salvation, as verse 6 suggests. In the third servant song, Isaiah chapter 50, 4 through 9, the Messiah's mission highlights his wisdom, as verse 4 suggests, as well as him setting his face like a flint, indicating his total focus on his objective to redeem humanity, as verse 7 suggests. And friends, let me pause here for a moment, because I'd like to draw our attention to verse 6. I give my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those pulling out my beard. I did not hide my face from humiliation and spitting. Friends, this is reminding us of the pre-crucifixion and crucifixion scene in Matthew chapters 26 and 27. And Luke 9:51 virtually matches Isaiah 50 verse 4 with, It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He, Jesus, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And finally, our chapter under scrutiny, Isaiah chapter 53, which is really prefaced by chapter 52, 13 through 15, describes the Messiah's suffering on behalf of and in place of both Jews and Gentiles, as verses 4 and 5 clearly imply. But verses 4 and 5 are further bolstered by several other verses in this chapter. Well, friends, before we dig into this grand and glorious chapter, I'd like to point out that Isaiah 53 has been interpreted very differently in mainstream Jewish circles. 
Non-Messianic Jews contend that the Christian claim that Isaiah 53 describes the Messiah, Jesus, dying for our sins, is a false claim. Their counterclaim is that the context of Isaiah 53 is not speaking about anyone dying for our sins. Rather, it describes the Jewish people who suffered from the violence perpetrated against them by the nations of the world. So Christians hide the plain and obvious meaning of Isaiah 53 by reading it out of context and mistranslating crucial words to fit Jesus into the chapter. They continue their argument by saying that although Isaiah 53 speaks about a suffering servant of God, anyone who reads Isaiah from the beginning knows that Israel is repeatedly referred to as God's servant. Starting in chapter 52, the prophet describes the reaction of the nations of the world when they witness the future and ultimate redemption of the Jewish people. Some even say that the context goes back to Isaiah 42, 49, and 50. Well, friends, before I critique these comments, let's actually listen to Isaiah's report card. I'll read from the 1985 Jewish Publication Society's edition of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. I'll also make reference to the original 1917 edition in some places where it is more accurate. I'm shying away from the Christian version of the Old Testament because the mainstream Jewish critics accuse our Christian Bibles of being biased and intentionally skewed, which they really are not. In fact, friends, turn to Isaiah 53 in your Christian Bible, and you'll be happy to see that it's virtually identical to the Hebrew Scriptures. Jews and Christians have the same Old Testament text, known as the Masoretic Text, or the MT. So, here we go. Are you ready? Since Isaiah 53 has a preamble, the last three verses of chapter 52, I'll begin reading Isaiah 52:13. Indeed, my servant shall act wisely or prosper, be exalted and raised to great heights. Just as many were appalled at him, so marred was his appearance, unlike that of a man, his form beyond human semblance. Just so he shall sprinkle many nations. And I'll pause here because our Christian Bibles are more accurate using sprinkle, whereas the Hebrew Bible has startle, with a footnote that the Hebrew meaning is uncertain. Yet this word is used in Leviticus for the animal sacrifices, and it's translated sprinkle, spatter, or spurt blood, the preferred meaning of this word. The Messianic translation, the TLV, has sprinkle. The text continues, Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for they shall see what has not been told them, shall perceive that which they had not heard. Who would have believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord, or Yahweh, been revealed? For he grew up like a sapling, or tender shoot, and as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or beauty, or majesty, splendor, that we should look at him. No beauty that we should delight in him or be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken or rejected by men, a man of suffering or sorrows and pain, familiar with sickness, grief, affliction. As one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely our diseases he carried, and our pain he bore. Yet we accounted him smitten and afflicted by God. But he was wounded, or killed, pierced through, because of our transgression. 
crushed because of our iniquities or guilt. The chastisement of our welfare, our peace, shalom, was upon him, and by his bruises, welts, wounds, or stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep did go astray, each turned to his own way, and the Lord, Yahweh, has made the iniquity of us all to fall on him." He was oppressed or treated harshly and afflicted, which may also mean humbled and submissive, yet did not open his mouth like a sheep being led to the slaughter, like a ewe lamb dumb before those who shear her. He did not open his mouth. By oppressive judgment or coercion he was taken away, and with his generation who did reason or complain, protest, for he was cut off or cut down from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, indicating they deserved the punishment. He was stricken. The sense here is that he bore the divine chastisement his people had coming to them. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich his tomb. Although he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord, Yahweh, to crush, or bruise, or wound him, implying making him imperfect for an animal sacrifice. Remember now, friends, sacrificial lambs had to be unblemished that if he made himself an offering for guilt, literally a guilt offering, he might see his seed, prolong his days, and the good pleasure, will, and purpose of the Lord's hand will prosper or advance or be successful, move forward. Out of his anguish he shall see the fruit of his suffering and be satisfied. My righteous servant by his knowledge will justify many. It is their iniquities or punishment that he shall bear. Therefore, or assuredly, I will give him the many as his portion, and he shall divide the spoil with the mighty, for he bore, or poured out, emptied himself unto death, and was numbered among the transgressions. He bore, or took the sins of many, and interceded for the transgressors. Wow, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? But a mouthful of essential spiritual nutrients to feed our souls. And friends, before I go on, I'd like to re recommend you re-listen to the podcast of today's broadcast and soak in these incredible truths found in just 15 verses. In today's session, we'll unpeel some layers of these incredible verses and get at the meat or heart of several foundational spiritual truths that anchor our Judeo-Christian belief system. Because, friends, five key doctrines we Christ followers embrace are rooted in this Old Testament book of Isaiah. In these 15 verses, Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, and Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. And I'll bet we don't even realize it. The book of Isaiah has been nicknamed the Gospel of the Old Testament. Of the some 85 times the New Testament quotes from the prophet Isaiah, 25 are in the Gospels alone. And due to the repetition of some quotations, the actual number of separate passages is actually 61. Only seven books of the New Testament don't quote from Isaiah. Well, friends, let's make sure our detective's cap is on, our pocket magnifying glasses out and ready, and our Hebrew sandals are laced up. We'll be unpeeling these verses in chronological order. 
And I haven't forgotten what I said earlier about assessing the mainstream Jewish critics who insist that the servant in Isaiah is the nation of Israel. I'll happily affirm that there are references to the servant as national Israel and the servant as the foretold Messiah, and the two must be distinguished, especially in messianic references. And friends, we owe a great debt of gratitude to the messianic Jewish writers of our New Testament who elaborate on and connect the dots for us to statements in the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. Otherwise, we might never make these vital connections ourselves. So let's pay attention to this idea as we walk through these key verses, and I'll draw some parallels to our New Testament writings. But first, I'd like to preface this portion of Isaiah with Psalm 49, 7-9. No man can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For too costly is the redemption of their soul, and must be left alone forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. Now, if we're going to be consistent in our interpretation and our line of reasoning, we must exercise care in interpreting this servant or the he and his and there and many statements in Isaiah 52 and 53. Like verse 8, he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was stricken. If he is the nation Israel, who are my people? Doesn't my people refer to the Jewish people? And was Israel stricken for the transgressions of Israel? Or verse 9, he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. If he and his refer to national Israel, have they never done violence or had any deceit in their mouths? I think not. Or verse 10, he made himself an offering for guilt, literally a guilt offering, drawing a connection to the Levitical animal sacrifices, which had to be unblemished. When was Israel unblemished and offered herself as a sin offering for the world? Verse 11, my righteous servant by his knowledge will justify many or make many righteous. It is their iniquities or punishment that he shall bear. If Israel is the servant here, how does the nation justify many and bear or carry or take the iniquities or sins of others away? Only God can do that. Well, let's start our chronological journey at 5214. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was disfigured more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. This text is corroborated by Psalm twenty-two, fifteen through 19. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within my innards. My strength is dried up like a clay pot. My tongue clings to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers closed in on me. They pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare, they gape at me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Part of this portion of Psalm 22, friends, are recorded in John 19, 24 through 30, indicating that this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ during his crucifixion. Regarding Isaiah 52, verse 15, and the reference that Messiah will sprinkle many nations, we discussed this earlier, particularly that the mainstream Hebrew translations say startle, whereas one Messianic Jewish translation 
the Tree of Life version, and the bulk of English translations say sprinkle. Sprinkle is the preferred translation as it's used in Leviticus for animal sacrifices and means sprinkle, spatter, or spurt regarding blood being sprinkled on the altar. We also see this in Exodus 24, Numbers 18, and Ezekiel 43. Our New Testament parallels are in Hebrews 9, 10, and 11, with an interesting statement by Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. And Ephesians 1, 7, In him, Messiah, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The work of Messiah's blood and salvation is found in many New Testament passages. Some key ones are Acts 20, 28, Romans 3, 25, and 5, 9, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, and Revelations 1, 5. Well, friends, Isaiah 53, 1 says, And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In the Hebrew Scriptures, arm is often a symbol for God's power at work. But Isaiah's arm is personified in this chapter, characterizing the Messiah. We can infer from these verses that the arm of the Lord is, in fact, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Earlier, we referred to Isaiah's servant songs which elaborate on aspects of Messiah's mission. The servant songs come to a head in chapter 53, the fourth and final servant song. In Isaiah 53, 4, there's the first of five key doctrines we Christians embrace, the doctrine of the atonement, specifically a substitutionary atonement. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Notice the interplay between he and his and us and our in this chapter. These verses clearly indicate a substitution taking place, one life substituted for others. The Old Testament picture emerges in Leviticus chapter 1, the key verse being verse 4, and the phrases on your behalf and for you. A key New Testament parallel is Hebrews 7.27, referring to a once-for-all sacrifice when Messiah offered himself. In Isaiah 53.5, there's the second key doctrine we Christians embrace, the doctrine of reconciliation. Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. Friends, let's be careful when we see the word peace. It often refers to the peace of reconciliation involving the restoration of a fractured relationship. The goal is turning an enemy into a friend. Let's not forget Romans 5, 1 through 11, and how we gain peace with God. Verse 10 says, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. And verse 11 adds, we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Peter in 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, interpret this Isaiah passage as representing the healing or salvation of our souls. In Isaiah 53, 6, there's the third key doctrine we Christians embrace, the doctrine of sin. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own way. Paul echoes this in Romans 3, 9 through 12. Sin in both Old and New Testament is always associated with separation. Isaiah 59, 2 says, 
Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Friends, read all of chapter 59. It's illuminating. In Isaiah 53.10, there's the fourth key doctrine we Christians embrace, the doctrine of propitiation, a big word that means to be satisfied, appeased, or pleased. In other words, Messiah's atoning sacrifice satisfied God's justice. God's will here may be translated purpose, will, or good pleasure. The Messiah is also satisfied in verse 11. The Old Testament picture emerges in the mercy seat in Exodus 25. The New Testament picture is in Romans 3.25, 1 John 2.2, and 4.10. It is Isaiah 53. There's the fifth key doctrine, the doctrine of justification. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Messiah's atoning sacrifice is necessary for our justification being accounted as righteous. Justification in the Bible is associated with status or standing before God. In other words, right standing. Some New Testament parallels are Romans 3.26 and Romans 5.1. So friends, this is Isaiah's report card. How did you score? After all, we don't want to be like the two on the Emmaus Road, do we? Jesus said to them, You foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and come into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained the things written about himself in all the scriptures. Did you score with an amen? If you did, then amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, which will close with an email where you may write me with your feedback. All podcasts of this series and other teachings can be accessed at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. And friends, A Word from the Word is a listener-supported program, so please consider financially helping to keep this program on the air. Just email me for the details. A special thanks goes out to those of you who are faithfully helping to support the teachings you hear on A Word from the Word. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with A Word from the Word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at awordfromtheword at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.